The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How often have you woken up in the morning and wondered if you have the management team in place to execute on the initiatives that your senior leadership team puts together? It's a question that so many management teams ask, And the skills of being a good manager are so undervalued, yet so hard to acquire, or maybe not. So to answer that question for us, Ralph Peterson. Ralph, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really great. You know what? What's so truthful in what you just said is that, well, let me just say this. They're not hard to understand. They're just super hard to do. And it's being a good manager is just... Once you get that freedom, once nobody's looking over your shoulder, you know what the freshman 15 is? You know, when you go to college for the first time, you gain 15 pounds. We're going yeah. through that now, like the COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> you find yourself having a little bit of freedom and you kind of, you know, you lose mom saying, hey, wait for dinner. That's what happens to managers. People are not looking over their shoulder anymore. And you know what the first thing we start doing? We start showing up a little later leaving a little earlier, spending a little more time doing our own personal stuff on company time. We lose track of time. We start talking more, doing less. And man, before you know it, manager is worthless. All right. So listen, so let's say that uh, that those behaviors uh, start, you know, and we're talking about uh, training managers, not senior executive, but these are things that senior executives need to pay attention to in their management teams. So how do you, how do you get these managers to act like they're, you know, owning the place and they don't start falling off? Well, it's quite simple. It's not easy, but it's quite simple. And first and foremost, senior leaders are not off the hook. Senior leaders have to follow the same rules that managers have to follow. And they have to be very clear with expectations. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what level of leadership you're in. All of us in management are 
arbiters of fairness. And so we have to make sure that everything we do when we're disseminating work among people, we're doing it in a fair and transparent way. Because if somebody thinks for one second that somebody's getting getting away with not doing something and you're expecting more from one than the other, I mean, it's all downhill from there. So let me just go through these five yeah, simple yeah. basic rules. Yeah, let, let's, uh, let, let's have them. Go ahead. All right. Five basic simple rules. Rule number one, managers are not allowed to walk by trash. It's probably the easiest thing in the world because let's face it, you wouldn't be even promoted to a leadership position if you were the type of person who walked by trash in the first place. So that's an easy one. Rule number two, managers have to be on time. Aha, you're like, oh, that's really easy. No, it isn't. It's super hard because of what we call an unspoken benefit rule. That is the manager thinks that promotion also came with a fluid time clock. It doesn't, but most managers think it does. And if the manager doesn't think it does, their spouse does. Oh, you're in charge now. You can be late or you can leave early. It is a killer. It is a silent killer. It's worse than a heart attack because it, it, it's a public death. Everybody sees you dying. Rule number three. <laughs> Rule number three. Managers must dress professionally. I hesitate when I say professionally because what I really mean is managers have to stand out. You have to be able to look at you in the midst of all your employees and be able to tell you're in charge. The reason that that is so difficult is because there are what we call lions. You ever seen, you know what a, you know what a mother giraffe does when the baby is first born? What, what does it do? A mother giraffe kicks their baby as soon as they're born. They don't kiss it. They don't welcome it to the world. They don't feed it. They don't nuzzle it. The first thing a mother giraffe does to their baby is kick it. Why? Because it knows that if it doesn't get off the ground quickly and learn how to get on its feet quickly, it's going to get eaten by a lion. And that is why managers generally try not to stand out. They try to blend in with their staff because they're afraid of lions, you know, unruly staff, unhappy customers. And so they don't stand out. Managers, first of all, you cannot be a giraffe if you're going to be a manager. You have to be a lion. So you have to stand out. You have to be the most dangerous person. That, that's, a, that's a pretty cool analogy. That's, that's a good story about that giraffe. Oh, thank you, brother. Then yeah. rule number four is a manager has to get all their work done. Now, imagine that. That's a stupid rule for a manager, you would think, but it's not. It's super important. Your team has to see you continue to be a good worker. Too many times we promote a new manager and the first thought that goes in their head is, well, I'm never going to have to do that job again because now I'm in charge. You have to get your work done on time. It is super important that managers be good workers. And it's a whole thing where if you're not doing your work, if you ask your staff to go above and beyond, like we're short and everybody has to pitch in and you're not pitching in. I mean, come on. It's detrimental big time. Rule number five is you have to be visible. You have to be visible. You have to, people have to see you. One of the greatest, I was just doing a seminar, a leadership seminar to some police officers. And we were talking about the Waze app, which is this, you know what a Waze app is, the new GPS app that you can literally see where everything is, including police officers. And I was asking them how that affected patrolling. And it turns out the police officers love the Waze app. And the reason is because I didn't know this, but police officers are not allowed to go back to the station to do their paperwork. So if they write you a ticket, they have to do the paperwork process everything while they're in their cruiser on the road. So have you ever seen two cruisers sitting side by side in a median? You ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a training. They're doing an in-service. That's one person teaching the other how to put in this new report and this new system because they have to do it on the road. And so what happens is these new police cars have all these bells and whistles and dings, and they have these cameras on the back of them. 
So they literally get notified anytime somebody is speeding, somebody's got a bad tag on their car, somebody has a headlight out. I mean, you name the offense. Now, you can imagine if you're on a busy intersection or interstate, that thing could be going off like crazy and you're going to sit there and try to get your paperwork done. With the app now, the new Waze app, they're able to go to the median, pull out their own Waze app, identify where themselves are. Like, hey, I'm right here. You know, they check where the police officer is. And what does everybody do when they see a police officer on the Waze app? Immediately slow down. No, I've I've actually, I've I've heard before that, um, that just by having more police on the road solves a lot of problems because high visibility, people behave better. A million percent. It's the same thing in leadership. If your whole MO is to walk into the shop and walk into your office and pull up your internet and your email, you are, you're wrong. Stop that. That should be, the last thing you do should be going to your office. You shouldn't even put your bag, don't take your coat off. Walk the shop floor, walk through your store. Let everybody see you because if they see the bosses there, guess what they're going to do? Work. They're going to do their, you don't even have to say anything. Being visible is so key to being an effective manager. So that's All right, it. So look, so you, so you got these, these five things. These, these, five, are, these are so basic. I mean, it's almost like elementary so school. So basic, so basic. But, and not only are they basic, but let's talk about it. They are for everybody. You want your employees to not walk by trash. You want your employees to be on time. You want your employees to dress professionally. You want your employees to get their work done. You want your employees to be visible. Nothing worse than trying to find an employee because they're no longer where they're supposed to be. That's how basic these are. You want your employees to do it. So if you want your employees to do it, how more valuable or important is it for the manager to do it? It's 10 times more important. But let's talk about the actual verb management, the actual act of management. So let's go back to the piece of trash. Rule number one says managers are not allowed to walk by trash. But this is where it gets tricky. Because managers, especially if you work for me, managers are not allowed to walk by trash and they're not allowed to pick it up. Really? If I see one of my managers pick up a piece of trash, I will write them up. And if I write them up three times, I will let them go. And I am not kidding. I do not take that one bit. A manager has to have the ability to get other people to do things they otherwise do not want to do. If you think managing is going into a place and just watching people do jobs that they are already doing, whether you're there or not, you're wrong. That's not management. That's not, we don't even need you for that. You are a waste of money. I don't spend money on managers because, do you know, you know, I can't tell you how many employees say to me, I want a raise. How come we can't get a raise? How do we get a raise? I'm going to tell you how to get a raise. Every employee, listen, put on your big earmuffs. This is how you get a raise. Stop needing management so much. Stop it. If you just were on time, if you didn't walk by the mess, if you didn't leave stuff on the floor, if you dressed appropriately, if you got your work done, if I didn't need to chase you down all the time, you know what I wouldn't need? More supervision. And you know what I could do with that money? Give it to you. Problem is that doesn't happen. The problem is everybody needs somebody to look after them. And so we have to pay, spend all this money on leadership. And then what do leaders do? They fall right into the same trap. Now, all of a sudden, they get a little bit of authority. They get a little bit of, a little bit of uh, autonomy and they fall head over heels, which is why statistically, two-thirds of all managers fail in the first 90 days. And by the way, when I say fail- oh, wait, I mean, wait, 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 let's go back to this here. Yeah. What do, you, what do you mean they fail in 90 days? What does that mean? I mean, they get fired. They get demoted. They, they get don't promoted for the first time and they're fired because 
Did, did they have any training? I mean, than, I mean, it's, or they it's just... worse than that, Joel. It's worse than that. It's not even if you're just a first time manager, this happens to experienced managers in a new job position. It even happens to new managers in a new job position. So if you're going from a manager and then you get promoted to a district manager, it's the same attrition rate. Still, two thirds of the ninety them, days is that's it's ridiculous. I mean, you're, you're not even getting you're not even warmed up how yet. Fast it happens. It is amazing how fast it happens, and it, there's a lot of different reasons on why it is. But the number I'll, I'll say the most common reasons for the failure of managers, especially new managers, whether they're brand new first time manager or first time taking over this new leadership position or working in a new shop, is their misunderstanding. Everybody believes. Everybody believes these rules. Like there are these, these golden rules of management, which I'm sure you've heard, you know, like uh, you should praise publicly and reprimand privately. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, of course. Of course you have. You've heard you should choose your battles. I mean, every, I hear that from every manager. Oh my gosh, you got you to you choose your battles. You know, you should never micromanage. I mean, micro has become like the four letter word of, of managing. Like, Don't micromanage me. It, it's it, like look down upon like crazy. You should treat people the way you want to be treated. These are these are golden rules. I grew up with these golden rules. And of course, you should never, ever, ever, ever ask anybody to do anything you wouldn't do. Here's a problem with all of these golden rules, Joe. They're wrong. They are fantastic. They are perfect for you to live your life by if you want to be a good neighbor, if you want to be a good student, if you want to be a good employee. But if you want to be a good manager, there's not a single one of these rules, these golden rules that you should be following. Okay. It's a little bit, uh, you know, it's so contrary to everything that we've always heard. Uh, you know, why, 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 are, why don't they work? I mean, it seems like, uh, well, seems like there's some validity it, to them. It has to do with the psychology of the manager. Let's just take the, the, you shouldn't ask anybody to do anything you wouldn't do. That's an easy one. And that almost sounds, that's almost like it should be one of the 10 commandments. You shouldn't ask anybody to do anything you wouldn't do. I mean, it sounds <laughs> biblical. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's, it speaks to a legality issue. I mean, you could, you would never ask anybody to kill somebody if you would never kill somebody. I mean, I don't know if you dissect that. If I was willing to kill somebody, does that mean it would be okay for you to kill someone? I mean, of course not, right? Like it seems a little askew. What's so great about, and by great, I mean, unbelievably mis misrepresented is the idea, the whole concept of, I wouldn't ask you to do anything I wouldn't do as a marketing term. And it came out of the early 1900s and it was a, based on child labor and children getting, getting hurt in factories because corporations were not spending money on safety protocols, even though there was safety protocols to put in. And the child labor laws, it was this huge battle because the unions couldn't represent child labor. And then, so there was this skirting around and everything. Well, then as tragedy happens, a few young people get killed and they, the newspapers get a hold of these headlines and it, like wildfire grows and corporations were taking a huge hit publicly, like just a huge reprimand. Everybody was against them. Labor unions were rising up like crazy. And you know what the marketers did in these organizations? They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start touting that we wouldn't ask you to do anything we wouldn't do. Of course, we're, we have our safety protocols. Of course, we wouldn't hire child labor. We wouldn't exploit people. We wouldn't backdoor people. We wouldn't be illegal with people. We follow all the rules. I mean, it, and, and, and over and, time, this stuff becomes codified as, uh, as biblical? No, no. Well, hold on, hold on. So over time, what happens is it's become 
I saw a political ad just recently, and it said, because it's even today, this same rhetoric is even being used today in marketing. I saw a political ad that said, we are for people, not politics. As if that's even close to being a thing. Of course, you're for you're running for a political office. Don't say that <laughs> I'm, I'm for people. It's like, you know, we put people first or we, we're a green organization or we care about the environment. No, I, sure you might, but that's all that is is a marketing play. Here's the problem. This is where it runs into problems. The challenge with, the, the real challenge with managing, especially if you're brand new, is it's super difficult. Could you imagine coming up onto, let's say you work in a, I don't know, let's say you work, you sell cars and you walk into the showroom floor and there's a piece of trash. There's five salesmen for you and there's a piece of trash on the floor and you have no idea who put it there, who dropped it, how it got there, how long it's been. You don't even know what it's made of. You have no idea. And I'm telling you that you're not to pick it up because the, the default in the manager's brain, because we're good workers, we care about the way things look and the way we look and we want to lead from the front. Right? We want to be the front. We want to show, lead by example. You're not allowed to pick up that trash. Instead, I want you to address one of those people, one of those five sales guys or girls, and say, hey, grab that piece of trash for me. What is going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Every one of them you ask is going to give you an attitude. They're going to say, I didn't put it there. They're going to say, why should I? They're going to say, uh, it's not my job. They're going to say, I'm not housekeeping. They're going to say, ew, it's gross. They're going to say, why don't you pick it up? You're so concerned about it. You're the boss. So instead of having all those issues come up, you know what the new manager is going to do? They're going to say, you know what? I would never ask them to do anything I wouldn't do. And so I'm going to, that's why I'm picking up the trash. Do you know you why should, I do the extra okay, work? All right. So I get that. But you said the manager shouldn't pick up the trash. So what should the Absolutely. manager do? What's the right answer? The right answer is the manager should make somebody else pick up the piece of trash. Now, I mean, what you just described is a, uh, is a small child response, which, which yeah. uh, grownups which, are just big get. children, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, in a funny way, sure. but uh so you're going to get all this lip and you're going to get all this attitude and all this let other kind this. of stuff that this. you don't want. Right, let me, let me walk you through it. Let me walk okay, you through it. Keep going. Let me walk you through it like this. Let's just talk about how you would implement such a, such a practice. How do you become a manager? All right. This is how do you become a manager with a piece of paper? This is how you do it for two weeks. This is, the, this is what you're going to do. Write this down for two weeks. Managers. I want you to pick up every piece of trash you see on the floor. The only caveat is you have to have somebody see you do it. So if everybody's back is to you, I need you to clap, whistle, yell, scream. I want them to see you picking up trash. At the end of two weeks, and you might not last two weeks, which is fine. Just go as long as you can. Two weeks is great. Don't go past two weeks. At the end of two weeks, I want you to have a meltdown. I want you to, in front of your team, get like pull a group huddle and go, I am sick and tired. Every one of you who have watched me for two weeks pick up every piece of trash on this floor, and I have no idea why it's happening. I am sick and tired of picking up trash. Going forward, I better not see another piece of trash on this floor. Everybody here, if you see a piece of trash, I want it picked up. And if you drop it, you, if you see somebody drop a piece of trash, you tell them, hey, you just dropped that, have them pick it up. Because I am not going to pick up another piece of trash, and I am not willing to let it sit here. So now we just had this, huh? oh, have you ever worked in marketing, Joel? Have you ever worked in sales? Sales, sales for sure. I mean, 100%. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. So you know this concept that the, the whole brochure of a salesman is for the salesman. The brochure is not for the customer. 
the brochure is what gives the salesman the reason to go in to show you the brochure, right? But you get to a point where you don't need the brochure. You bring them, you don't even take them out of your bag, right? It's the same thing with a piece of paper. All you're doing is you need that piece of paper. You need those two weeks of me. I'm I'm getting street cred. I'm showing, building up my leadership capital. I'm showing you that I'm picking up all the trash. And then you have the meltdown. And then you're in nirvana because now you're like, okay, everybody knows I'm no longer picking up trash. Everybody else is picking up trash. Now I've got street cred. Every time I walk in the shop floor, if I see a piece of trash, I'm like, um, piece of, you want to grab that? And he goes, I didn't drop that. I'm going, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, let me give you permission. I'm going to empower you, my friend. Anytime you see somebody drop a piece of trash, you tell them to pick it up. And if they don't pick it up and you saw them tra- drop it, you come get me. I'll make them pick it up. We'll work on this together. Before you know it, Joel, supplies aren't going to be on the floor. Trash isn't going to be on the floor. People aren't going to have little. Uh, and by trash, I'm talking, I'm using trash. But yeah. we're you know, listen, I, I, think, I think that all of life works this way, that there's a certain conditioning period that you okay. have to condition people to behave in a certain way. And, you know, you condition them to uh, pick up trash, they'll do it. If you condition them to keep their desk clean, they'll do it. If you condition them to get in there at eight o'clock in the morning, they'll do it. Whatever you condition people to do, they will do it. People are very trainable. They're very, or, you know, you can organize. And that's what management is. That's what management is. So really it's, uh, it's about, you know, providing some conditioning to get people to, you know, kind of make stuff happen. It's having high standards. It's having clear expectations. It's having rules. It's not enough. You know, you started this, this podcast. We we're talking about what is senior leaders thinking about right now. And I'll tell you, I've worked, I am a senior leader. I, I, I'll tell you what I think of every day. I think of my management team. Are they making good decisions? Are they doing what's right for me? What's right for the company? What's right for the customer? Are they getting it right every time? I, I can tell you right now off the top of my head. I mean, it's, listen, the only thing I can tell you right now is, there's somebody right now not doing what they're supposed to be doing for me. Like that's, that's the only guarantee <laughs> I've got right this second. That's, that's a guaranteed somebody, deal right there. Somebody's messing up somewhere. But I've also learned to manage and train managers through the power of suggestion. I've let go of, and it's taken me a long time because I hate to fail. I Every time one of my managers makes a mistake and gets something wrong and they make some colossal mistakes. I work in nursing homes and you can make a colossal mistake in a nursing home. And especially with the COVID and positive cases popping up everywhere and having to figure out how to navigate that and employees and mask use. And it, it's a, it's a whole thing. And so every time one of my managers makes the tiniest mistake, I hear about it 10 times. I mean, people just, you know, your manager didn't wear them. I saw them without the mask on their whole, you know, they had it below their nose or your manager was 15 minutes late this morning, or your manager said they were going to check on this thing and they didn't check on that thing. And, so I used to be very, if my man, one of my managers failed at anything, I was quick to pull the plug. And that's part of the problem with this failure rate of managers is they're not allowed to fail. I got, I can't tell you, I've been fired five times as a manager, five times. You can tell I'm a little default aggressive, which I appreciate in a manager myself, but <laughs> so I have been fired for pushing back a little too much. I've been fired five times and I, unnecessarily, I don't think I, w- I needed to get fired any of those times. What I needed to do was fail, get my butt kicked for it, and let me let me try again. Because I got my first management job when I was 16 years old. 16. I was the youngest person in the group to get prom- to, to be a manager. Everybody was over 18. I was 16. I got fired eight minutes after I got promoted into a leadership. <laughs> 
for fist fighting with one of my 18 year old employees, which I didn't even know. Once I was in charge, I thought I told them to do something and they did it and they didn't do it. Then I was supposed to use force. Apparently, <laughs> you'll learn. That what, not, what is that? Is that a New York thing or what? Uh, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I'd like to say he swung first, but he didn't actually swing. He threw a tool at me. <laughs> so I decked him for it. That's actually, I write, write about that in my first book called Managing or No One Wants to Work. It's my first book. I wrote a few years ago and I open up with that story of getting into a fist fight my first time being a manager. That's really, it's a funny story. You know, that I told the guy to do something, he didn't do it. So I hit him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect story. That's a perfect 16 year old thing to do, you know? Not only, I mean, and that's not even the best part. The best part is how incredulous I was when I was getting terminated because my boss fired me for it. And I was like, but I was in the right. And he's like, you can never be in the right fighting with your staff. <laughs> uh, years later, I would have that same conversation. If as you as wild as my story is, I have had that same conversation with someone about fist fighting with her employee. She was, and then she was incredulous too. She was like, I can't believe I'm getting fired from this. <laughs> I'm like, I feel your pain. <laughs> it's unbelievable how uh, how people think they're right when, uh, you know, uh, from the outside, it's pretty obvious. But but anyway, so so what happened? So so what? keep going. So, so my point is, the, the point that I was trying to make is that at this point in my life, in this point in my career, I just wrote my fourth book called The Good Manager. And I have realized the best way to come at management training is to manage by suggestion. That is, they, we have a problem. Let's say that just something fell apart we don't have staff this weekend or a machine is broken or somebody wants three things at once and we can't do it all at once or something doesn't seem just right. My, instead of my default used to be solve mode. This is what I would do. It's not helpful because I'm not asking them to be me. I'm asking them to solve the problem by being them. And so now I do it by suggestion. I simply go, all right, what are our options? What would you do? And then I get somebody else involved. Hey, this is so the that, that, that sort do? of sounds to me like the coaching model. It's I a million percent. Of- it's, I have, so what made me a successful manager is the concept of serving your staff. So when I was a frontline manager, I was, I was no intention of going I was not very effective. I'll last a jerk game, right? So they were just like, oh, just let him, the blowhard go ahead. And, but I couldn't keep new staff. I couldn't get people in the door and keep them long-term for, for, for the life of me. It took me a long time to learn how to, be of service to my staff. And that's how you lead the best by being of service to your staff. And then when you, so what, is became, it, what, is that, what does that mean? Be of service? Well, let me put it in actual practical terms. Cause I'm not, I'm not a raw, raw guy. So I don't mean to even sound like that at all. I mean, simply let's take it into um, a, an easy one in housekeeping, in housekeeping, your staff needs a bunch of equipment and the equipment and chemicals and things change throughout the day as their job changes. So you might need this in the morning, but you might need something else in the afternoon. Well, a manager who serves their staff, makes sure their staff has the tools they need when they need them. A manager that doesn't serve their staff, just expects the staff to do it themselves. I had a manager the other day get all upset because there was a, there was a unlabeled bottle, chemical bottle on a housekeeping cart. And the manager wanted to write up the housekeeper. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I said, why would you write up the housekeeper for having an unlabeled bottle on a, on a housekeeping cart? And the reason in healthcare is because it's dangerous to have unlabeled chemicals on a bottle. Yeah, of on course, a cart, yeah. And it's illegal 
right? So they, with the SDS and all this stuff. So you have to have, it's, it's important. It's, in, it's illegal not to have it. So he says, well, I've talked to this employee a hundred times about it. She knows better than to have an unlabeled bottle on there. And I go, all right, well, let's just back up a minute. Why would she have an unlabeled bottle on there? He's like, I don't know. I said, okay, let me tell you why. It's because she ran out of chemical. She couldn't find her chemical or somebody took it from her and she could only find this bottle. And she, instead of trying to track you down or trying to find out where the other stuff is, she just improvised. And she grabbed a bottle, she put chemical in it, she kept on working. So now let me ask you again, whose fault is it that there was an unlabeled bottle on her cart? It's the manager's fault. See, if the manager was serving that employee, the manager would be walking by that cart all the time and noticing, asking, how is everything? Do you need anything? By the way, I should tell you this because this is super important, I think. I'm a big fan of micromanaging. I think micromanaging is the heart of managing. You cannot be effective manager without micromanaging. What the challenge is, is that nobody's allowed to know. Nobody should ever know you're micromanaging. If somebody knows that you're micromanaging, you're doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. I remember when I was a kid, I was 17, 18 years old. I was working for this construction guy. And it was a guy that nobody liked. And the reason nobody liked him is because every time you saw him, he had a two by four in his hand. And every time you asked him what he was doing, he was bringing that two by four to someone. No, I got to bring this up. And it seemed like he was never working because all he was doing is bringing this two by four. Every time he saw him, he just had a two by four, walking here, walking there. And he had the reputation of being a very lazy SOB who had just learned how to play the game of, oh, I have a two by four. That is exactly how you micromanage your team. I don't go up onto a unit and talk to one of my staff members. I don't just walk up and go, hey, I'm here checking up on you again. Did you get everything done? No, 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 no. That's that's a rookie mistake. I go up with some other intention. I go up with something. I'm doing something else. And while I'm here, I'm just checking in, just saying hello to you. I'm not even checking in on you. I'm just saying, hey, how's everything going? I even sometimes, you know what I'll do to mask me being a, being a micromanager? I will create problems. I'll go, no, we had a complaint about this room. I'm just going to go check it out. I'm going to come out. This room looks great. You did a great job in here. I don't know what they were talking about. Maybe they were talking about the other unit. You see what I just did? I just did an inspection. I just made sure the employee was on the unit. I just checked in with that employee. I just gave the employee high praise. That's micromanaging, my friend. It's not this aggressive, hard in your face. Because truthfully, and I know I talk at a million miles an hour, and I apologize about that, Joel, but it's important to get all these little things in here because when it comes to micromanaging or any kind of management, it's important that there are going to be employees that you don't like. They really are. They're going to be employees that just rub you the wrong way. If you want to be a good manager, they can never know. They can never know you don't like them. Never, never, never. If they, if you let on that they know that you don't like them, that you're short with them, that you disrespect them, that you don't like the way their hair looks or the way that they do their talk or whatever, you are going to fail. You're just not going to be successful. You have covered a lot of ground here. I'm, I'm on fire. I mean, I mean, this is a lot of stuff and, and there's, and, you know, and, and I've heard you say a number of things, I think all of which are, are critically important and it really, it's the inside track here because, you know, whether you're micromanaging and you're not entirely micromanaging, you're just, you're supervising in a, in a better way than maybe other people. I mean, I don't really look at that as micromanaging, but I, I like a lot of what you're saying. I think that the, the heart that you come at it with, people know you care. That's the best, smartest and fastest way. That's the inside track on being a good manager. So, uh, you know, that's, that's an awesome, an awesome thing you share. Now, is all this stuff put together in your book? I mean, is your, is your new book? Uh, cover it is this? The good manager being great is overrated. 
And the best part about this book, Joel, it goes through what it takes to be a good manager, to be a good person, to be good at managing and don't be evil. But here's the best part. The last page of the book is a piece of trash. So <laughs> you rip out the page. And you have what it takes to manage. You rip it out, throw it up on the floor. Let's see if you can be a manager or not. <laughs> well, listen, Ralph, next time I see you in person, I'll throw a piece of trash in your way and we'll see what you do. All right. Well, listen, man, thank you very much for being a personal friend, for being a, a colleague and for sharing. This is great stuff. Best of luck with your book, too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, man. Stay in touch with us, would you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.